2: You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Bronco's Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now, it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but
3: we do have to let the stream breathe just for a few seconds. Got to make sure we got five green check marks. And we... Are good. Welcome in everybody to the huddle up podcast presented as always by mile high huddle powered by overtime media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me as always, my partner in crime and my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I want to get into the nitty gritty, but first things first. And for those of our listeners who might have missed this, uh, the histrionics today on Twitter between Brandon McManus and Tom McMahon, first things first, I want to get your, your gut reaction to. McMahon is kind of being outspoken, going out of his way to kind of kick the hornet's nest on Twitter and rebutting Tom McMahon, his position coach and coordinator. Is this a fireable offense now for Tom McMahon, Chad?
4: What more has to be done? And it scares me because the guy in charge of firing McMahon, Fangio, listen to Fangio. I mean, he he took his, his marching orders from McMahon and now you have the kicker who you made the fourth highest-paid kicker in the entire NFL, butting heads with the coordinator. It's just locker room turmoil you could have avoided, Chad, months ago by getting rid of the coordinator, and now it's leaking out into the public. Now it's leaking out on Twitter. If it was me, I'm signing with McManus over McMahon any day. But it's up to Fangio to be the head coach here again and bring everyone together. Not giving him the chance, Chad, to justify the contract. He's been money this season. He's been literally McMoney again. Why not push him out there? Why not override your coordinator and make a big boy head coaching call? So as complicit as McMahon is in all this, Fangio deserves blame as well. We talked about this before.
3: So let me just set the stage because there are some fans right now going, wait, what are you guys talking about? All right, let me let me cast back your memory, your mind's eye, to the first quarter in Atlanta. All right, the Denver Broncos offense struggling to get things going, but on their first possession, they do manage to cross the 50. And on third down, on a third and 15, it's a nine-yard pickup to Deshaun Hamilton. Not enough to move the chains, but they advance the ball to the Falcons 41. It's a 58-yard attempt. You think you're in a dome, you're in a controlled environment. McManus has been 5 of 6 from 50-plus this year. Here comes the 58-yard attempt. And for those of you watching the broadcast version last week, you can remember the announcers going, when they rolled the punter back out there, what the heck is Vic Fangio doing? Well, it turned out that he called timeout, talked to Tom McMahon, the special teams coordinator. McMahon talked him out of it. And we learned from McMahon today why. Let me me do a quick uh, share screen here. So let me set the stage on this McManus thing really quick um, today. So McMahon was asked, "Hey, what about that uh, this decision not to take the 58 yarder?" And let me just read this quote to you, Zach, and then I'll, and then I'll I want to read McManus's uh, response on Twitter. This was McMahon's explanation: "Quote, well, the big thing what I do is I give my advice to Vic on where Brandon is during pregame with distance, and coach makes that decision from there." My biggest job is when I see a situation like that, distance at the 42, the 39, the 44-yard line, where I have to get involved, I give him my advice. In that case, he thought about it and made the decision to punt the ball. All right, Brandon McManus tweets, and he's, quote, tweeting Troy Rank of Denver 7, must have been in a different pregame. The Jets game, New England, I was horrible. Atlanta, I was fire, et cetera. We've already gone through that. So, Zach, I just wanted to give the full update to our listeners, and it's not that – it's not that um, McManus isn't justified to have the opinion that he has. He's fully, I mean, I think he's right. And, and the, the decision was incorrect. I do question slightly. Here's what I'll say. Maybe I'm being, you know, a devil's advocate on this, but I, I do question the wisdom of the kicker, whether it's a beleaguered special teams coordinator embattled, whatever you want to call it, highly criticized. I question the wisdom of the kicker, just adding to the drama, you know, and anything that could be perceived as, Um, subordinate. There
4: wouldn't be drama, though, if the coordinator was competent and if the head coach can override the incompetent coordinator. So I don't really disagree with McManus. Again, he's being paid to make tough field goals and not being allowed to attempt tough field goals. I mean, he's a gamer, too. Kickers live for that, Chad. It's like a, a Hail Mary pass from a quarterback. They live to make the big kicks, and McManus wasn't allowed. And that's an ongoing theme. We saw it last year. We saw it this year. The denominator here is Tom McMahon. And they all know what we know. They know McMahon is in way over his head. He's not a good coordinator. He's hurting the Broncos. And now it's extending to the Broncos field goal team. So it's not ideal that McManus, of all people, the Broncos spokesman, is speaking out here. But it's telling that it's not just us. We're not the ones that are biased against the coaching staff of Tom McMahon. We're not the ones that are creating these, these, uh, these assertions. This is in the locker room. This is in Dove Valley. And it's starting to leak out now.
3: Indeed. There's so much more to get to on this topic. I want to get to also some of the developments in terms of practice availability, which way some of the injured guys are trending, some of the other storylines out of today's Broncos uh, media availability. And of course, we want to get back to what's on your mind. But we do have to take care of some really quick matters of business because it, you know, usually we get to this a little bit earlier in the show, but Zach has a very key and important message for each yeah. and every one of you. Let's hope this goes okay. Tonight's live stream podcast, guys,
4: is brought to you by SportsBetting.com. Broncos country, listen up. Gambling is now legal in the state of Colorado. And here's what makes SportsBetting.com a no-brainer for sports fans and you. First of all, sharp odds and low juice. In-house bookmakers, not a third-party provider of odds. Reduced juice and best prices, guys best prices out there. Hassle-free bonuses, you get a one-time rollover. That's all, one time. That means the bonus money is yours after you bet it just one time whereas other sites and competitors range from 5 to 30 times. Big difference there. Finally, 24/7 live customer support. You are always reaching a real human being in the US when you want a real human being in the US. But here's the kicker. At sportsbetting.com, you get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting up to $1000. Not just one bet, but all of your bets, guys. Play for a week. And if your lost exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover a hundred percent of the difference up to one thousand dollars with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to one thousand
3: dollars. Amen. Really quick, guys, we're gonna just run through some very, very quick Shout outs on social media. Connect with the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod and then the main account at Mile High Huddle. Check out the merch store when you get a chance, if you're in a position to get your swag on huddleuppod.com. Easy to remember. Get yourself a football priest hat. There's t shirts, there's mugs, face masks, little something for everybody. And it's another way to support right what right we're there. doing here at, uh, at MHH. And then also for our Facebook community, which continues to grow exponentially, if you'd like to become an official supporter, just go to the, the page, facebook.com slash huddle. See the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that you're in like Flynn. We do have some big plans for our Facebook supporter group coming up here in the near future. And it's just another way to support what we're doing here for our Facebook community, similar to being a super chat superstar, but on Facebook. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. Each and every one of you can do these three things. And we humbly, Zach and I, ask that you do. Subscribe, first and foremost, then like this video or like this podcast, which is especially uh, crucial on YouTube and Facebook. And then the litmus test is if Zach and I are doing a good job, if you think we're doing a, a good job for you, share this video, this podcast out there on your social media. Help us continue to grow and reach new like minded listeners just like you.
5: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate digital agronomy platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright
4: 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other
1: trademarks are the property of their respective owners.
3: Bronco's Country, listen up. Course Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, the brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. It's never been easier to do good in the world, to do something to make a difference, and Course Hard Seltzer is paving the way by launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways are at risk. Eighty percent of America's rivers are drying up. But through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works: each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. The results: one billion—that's with a B—gang. Gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. Also, with Coors Heart Seltzer, you're getting four refreshing flavors, and it's one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. The Specs are in, gang. Coors Heart Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I can speak from
4: firsthand certainty that nothing quite takes the sting off a tough defeat like a Coors Hard Seltzer. I know that everything will be all right, that I got my black, cherry, handy, trusty Coors Hard Seltzer.
3: For a football fan, win or lost, it's the way to go. You heard it here, gang. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You, yes you, can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It really is that simple. So visit com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's com. For every
4: 12-pack sold through 8 2021 Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at com. Celebrate
3: responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. And then, Zach, I want to grab this phenomenal... Message here from Zeus, an MHH Mount Rushmore superstar. Yeah. We love Stu McPeak. We call him Zeus. You guys know him. You love him as much as we do. And he's just checking in, saying hi, Zach, and showing that support, that unwavering passion and support for the community and for MHH. Appreciate you, Stu, as always. Hope your uh, Thursday night is going spectacularly. All right. I'm not sure uh, exactly what, what super chat messages as I'm going through this that I might have missed while we had our little snafu there at the top of the show, but we, caught that. Uh, we did get Bronco Batman. Okay. Yep. Um, my bad there. So as we move on through to whatever's on your mind and John, keep an eye out for, for everybody, anything and everybody, let's try and be as uh, across the board as we can. Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, our superstars real quick, Zach. I want to touch on today's uh, practice report in terms of which way the arrow is ticking for some of the injured players. It's not looking good, I'll be honest with you, for DeMar Dotson at right tackle. Now, he's nursing the groin, which is what cost him, you know, why he he exited week nine in Atlanta. He also has a hand injury. He did not practice Wednesday. He did not practice Thursday. And then also, complicating this, is Jake Rogers, who replaced him in Atlanta, is banged up and did not practice today. And then we got a mysterious tweet, which now makes sense, in light of all this, from Calvin Anderson, the third well, actually, I guess I would say the fourth-string tackle. He had a, an interesting tweet. It looks like he's on deck, Zach, to be your starting right tackle going against the Raiders. What do you think of that prospect? If you count Juwan James, he's the fifth-string
4: tackle this <laughs> yeah. season. And you know what? I will say this. Anyone but Elijah Wilkinson. Calvin Anderson won't be great. It, they have a really good pass rush, uh, the Raiders. Max Crosby, that front seven is really, really good, uh, better than most people realize. I don't care, if, though, if it's Rodgers. I don't care if it's Calvin Anderson. Chad, I don't care if it's Mike Munchak getting out there. Anyone but Eli Wilkinson. So it's we've seen the worst. Nothing can be as bad as what we saw
3: the first couple weeks. Hey, man, might as well see what Munch has left in the tank. He was a <laughs> Hall of Fame guard. I mean, he wasn't a tackle, but hey, you never know. Um Austin Schlotman, for what it's worth, limited uh, yesterday, full participant today. Timmy P, they're just kind of keeping an eye on him with that hamstring, limited. I, I would expect him to play on Sunday. And then Noah Fant looks like he's back in the saddle, limited yesterday, full participant today. The good news is Bryce Callahan seems to be with that mysterious ankle injury that cost him week nine. He seems to be trending in the right direction. AJ Bouye was a full participant today. He is fully out of concussion protocol, so that's great news. And then Jerry Judy, it's a little bit concerning. He popped up on the injury report yesterday. Did not practice. He was limited today. And then we found out from Coach Fangio during during uh, media availability yesterday. I don't think we got a chance to talk about this, but he did ding up his shoulder in that Falcons game. So you know he's young, and when you're young, bodies recover a lot quickly, a lot quicker, I should say, from injury. So hopefully Zach Jerry Judy should be good to go. It's a contusion. It's
4: not a torn shoulder. Right. I mean, it's it's a simple flesh wound. He should be able to play Sunday and be a hundred percent or very, very close to it. No, no concern there.
3: We also learned that the Raiders' number one off-ball linebacker uh, today, Corey Little uh, Littleton, mm-hmm. um, was placed on the word that shall go unmentioned list. I'm still paranoid about saying the CV <laughs> word because of how badly it went for our channel and uh, across the different social media platforms that we stream back when this whole you know what hit the fan in March and April so I'm still very careful but uh, he's got the bug let's just put it that way at least he's in the protocol so that's one I guess saving grace that the football gods or have opened up the the windows poured out a blessing to the Broncos the Raiders will be without their number one linebacker but if you look at this injury report and then we'll move on here back to the stream Rodney Hudson full full go on Thursday he's going to be their center Uh, Maurice Hurst, who's been a thorn in the Broncos side at different times over the last couple of years, has not practiced this week. Neither has starting left tackle Colton Miller. You look across the board here. They're pretty banged up as well, Zach. Darren Waller, though, has been nursing the back. Looks like he's on track to play. Uh, It'll be interesting, including Jonathan Abram. You know, their first round safety who missed most of his rookie year last year. He's been playing really well this year. He's on track to play as well.
4: Yeah, I just see Jeff Heath on there, Malik Collins. I'm having bad Cowboys flashbacks right now. But one player I want to single out right there is the fullback Alex Ingold. He is the leading blocker for Josh Jacobs. I forget the exact injury. I see he's listed with the ribs. He might have had a rib contusion or might have strained a muscle. I saw that he's going to play through it, though. So they're going to have their lead blocker in there. And the Raiders are at mostly full strength. They have a lot of injuries, but the talent they do have on the field is going to make it tough for the Broncos this week, Chad. Not going to be an easy game.
5: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit.
5: Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. There's a question here,
3: and I'm recognizing this, Zach, from yesterday. Ashish, uh, what do you guys think? Is Drew Locke going to be a $40 million franchise quarterback? Had high expectations for this offense this year, but very disappointed so far. Where will Elway go if Locke really disappoints this year? It hurts to see Justin Herbert play so good, even if they're not winning much right now, talking about the Chargers. So a little quarterback envy persists in some of the ranks of Broncos country, Zach, as it applies to Locke versus Herbert. As to the question of, is he going to be a $40 per year franchise quarterback, we don't know yet. I still right. think that the tools are there. And I want this kind of is a good opportunity to segue into some of the things Pat Shermer had to say today. But what's your off-the-cuff answer here, Coach? Well, first
4: of all, don't be envious of Justin Herbert. If there's one quarterback in the West you should be envious of, it's Patrick Mahomes. But even even beyond that, Drew Locke is his own guy. And like Chad mentioned, it's way too premature to make a call one way or the other. If he doesn't pan out this year, if they finish the year with you know six or seven wins and he's not really doing anything overly impressive, I think the Broncos will bring in a quarterback, whether that's a rookie or a veteran. I do not know. Uh, they're going to give Locke the first chance. This is all my speculation. They're giving the first chance to win the job. But Elway, if he's the GM going forward, there's so many dominoes here, Chad, that have to fall before we know anything. Assuming he's the GM though next year, uh, he can't go into the season solely relying on Drew Locke. Whether he can be that guy, we do not know. He needs more time. $40 million a year quarterbacks, there's only, what, two of them in the NFL right now, Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. It's, a, it's a rarefied air. I'd be happy if Locke could be the franchise guy before he's the $40 million, uh, annual guy.
3: You know, Eric Trickle published a quarterbacks, 2021 draft quarterbacks article today. And I think it's I, it might rub some fans wrong that we're looking at 2021 and quarterbacks. I wouldn't read too much into that because no matter which way you slice it, the Broncos are going to be looking at quarterbacks next year. It's just a matter of how Drew Locke finishes this season, his tra- uh, trajectory and ultimately how he closes 2020 will determine what tier of quarterbacks the Broncos are looking at. Because even though, you know, Brett Ripon showed out well as a, as a band-aid backup, you know, the it's, it's the Broncos are going to have to keep, bringing in fresh uh, blood at the quarterback position moving forward until it's just a bulletproof position. And one of the, you know, one of the cliches in the NFL, it's not even a cliche. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a philosophy is that, you know, you draft at least one quarterback a year. Now, not every NFL team honors that or, or stays true to that, but there's a reason why they say that even when you have your guy, I mean, look at the Patriots, right? They, they ended up with Jimmy G and, and parlayed that into a second round pick. And, they had Tom Brady. Yeah, he was getting long in the tooth, but it just goes to show you why you want to keep those the bottom of the roster as it relates, the bottom of the depth chart as it relates to the quarterback position churning. Now, Zach, really quick, I want to get this quest this this uh, response from offensive coordinator Pat Shermer today, and he was asked it was his last question at the podium. And forgive me, I forget now who it was in the in the media pool that asked this question, but uh, it was basically, "Hey, Pat, what do you see?" As far as trajectory for luck, is he trending in the right direction? Because all we can see is from the outside looking in struggles in first and second and third quarter. And then, you know, teams going to prevent and outcome this, you know, these fireworks offensively He scored six touchdowns in the last two fourth quarters. And I just it's a little bit long, Zach, but I want to read this real quick and then I'm going to serve it over to you. Here's what Shermer said, quote, I see good things throughout the game whether it's the TV broadcast or fans, you point to the negative things throughout. It's an easy thing to do as you have a guy learning how to play this game at this level. That's part of it. Throughout the game, he did some really good things, and then there were some mistakes that you just keep cleaning up. For the quarterback, it's not really quarters in the game. It's quarters for the season. I've seen steady improvement from him each week. There are certain things that all quarterbacks need to do. They need to be consistent but they need to be able to take advantage of big throws and make big throws, and he has done that. He's made some big-time throws. If you just sit down and watch the game critically, he made some really good throws the other night that we just didn't connect on for whatever reason, and I alluded to some of it earlier in in his podium. Then there were some things you have to clean up. We weren't protected, right, on the one interception. He just has to eat it or throw it away, and he'll learn that, but that's that basketball player in his driveway going to try to make that fadeaway jumper right? The fadeaway throw. So that's human nature and part of the maturity process. The growing process is to know the next time that happens, that's not my reaction. I either eat it or put it somewhere where nobody gets it, and then you get back in the huddle and call another play. I don't know if I'm answering your question. This is just kind of a stream of consciousness here, but that's sort of uh, that's sort of it. So, Zach, the point being, though, that from the outside looking in, there are some obvious and evident struggles. Yes, Brian. Life, but- But Shermer, Shermer, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Is this just a case of of Pat Shermer trying to protect his job? Or is this a classic case, I submit to you, Zach, of a coordinator who sees the full um, perspective, right? Everyone's so impatient on the outside, especially with the QB envy that's going on in the fan base and you see all this other stuff. Is this a guy that is reflecting the overall tonality and perspective of the team where they're being patient, they're taking it one quarter of the season at a time? I'm not going to give him that much credit
4: for thinking, having that much foresight. Whatever he said about Drew Locke and his mistakes are ultimately a, a reflection on Pat Shermer. He needs to be the one to teach him and drill into his head to throw the ball away or to eat it or to whatever. And everything he said was so surface level. Every answer he gives, he said nothing there in that giant paragraph chat. He said nothing. They were just words. It's all philosophical with him. There's no practicality. There's no pragmatism with, with Pat Shermer. And it wasn't in that quote, but I saw it on Twitter. He made the analogy that the first four weeks of the season were like preseason. It's week 10 now. What is the excuse? He's looking for different things. Locke's young. We have new players. He has to learn. It's on you as the quarterback whisperer, as a two-time former head coach and and a great offensive mind to drill that into him. What does it say that he hasn't taken one step forward? And he mentioned the things that Locke has improved on. Like what?
3: What has Locke really improved on under Shermer's watch? I want to know. One thing out there. Just reading between – not so much reading between the lines, reading the actual content of what he said – The only thing he really pointed to that Locke, in his opinion, that he said publicly, today anyway, has improved on, right? He talked about steady improvement, is the big-time throws. He has made some big-time throws. and Last year. You're just not seeing it consistently, though, and that's where the rubber meets the road. So let's grab – we'll come back to this, but let's grab Hello Bro on YouTube. It says, kind of turning the uh, shifting gears here topically to say, I'm kind of scared the Broncos – won't bring back Cortland Sutton because of Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler's act. They have to because neither of them
4: through you know nine weeks has shown consistent dominant wide receiver one traits. The only way that was a possibility, and I wrote about this before the season, the only way that was going to happen is if Jerry Judy literally balled out this year, like 1,500 yards and 12 touchdowns. That hasn't happened. Cortland Sutton, the Broncos' brain trust knows he is far and away the best receiver on this team, and his absence, Chad, is speaking volumes. For me, it's a lot like uh, the Cowboys and Prescott. Once they lost him, they realized how valuable he was to that offense. The Broncos are realizing how
3: valuable Cortland Sutton is to this receiving court. So, no, he's coming back. Yeah, he's definitely coming back. I mean, 2018, 2019, so this was year three. He's going to get his contract year, and unless he has some kind of complication from this ACL or doesn't, really bounce back to form or, you know, God forbid the Broncos end up having more quarterback tumultuous situation and it affects the position. I could see down the road that complicating whether or not to bring back a Cortland Sutton when you have a Judy and a Hamler for another couple of years. But I concur with Zach overall on a macro level. Why would you, yes, it's an embarrassment of riches, but if Locke's going to end up being the guy you think he is as a team, as a franchise, you know, John Elway, Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, These guys still believe in luck. Now it might be tenuous and that belief might run out eight weeks from now. If he doesn't turn the ship around and really show some consistency, but they do believe in luck and Zach, if you believe in luck, you got to keep those that arsenal stocked. And first and foremost, it's Cortland Sutton. I mean, you might not be able to keep everyone and pay everyone. When you look across the board, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, No, uh, no offense, just those four guys eventually here in the next three years or so, that's going to add up to a pretty significant outlay on the salary cap. And that doesn't count whatever the future might hold for Philip Lindsay and uh, Melvin Gordon. So definitely some tough decisions. Obviously, they're not going to be able to keep everybody. But Cortland Sutton's a guy I think at this point, if you're going to say who's the safest among them all, it's probably Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and then no offense.
4: Yeah, I just think though, like I wrote, the Broncos didn't assemble this big three just to tear it apart after one year, and they haven't even had a chance to see him and and all together with with Sutton's injury. So he's not going anywhere. He's far and away still the best receiver on this team.
5: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. Shout out to Greg
3: Smith rocking the let them hate t-shirt like a boss repping Broncos in Vegas in enemy territory. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, Chad and Zach, right off the bat, we need a win here in Las Vegas. All my buddies are Raiders fans and mad at me because I wouldn't jump ship. Hashtag go Broncos. Hashtag LV Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, the good here's the good news for you, Greg. The Broncos have split with the Raiders now, dating back five consecutive years. So, the odds point to this being another split-type season. The question is, is that split going to be with the Broncos winning in, in Vegas or the Broncos winning at home? Right. The oddsmakers don't like their 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 chances this week, Zach, but I'm still optimistic that the Broncos can come in here, and all it really takes is this offense playing at a competent, average level. If they can play at a competent, average level, Zach, all things are possible. Yeah, Greg, we took this question, Chad, when you were, uh, we were hopping out, but
4: I want to say, Greg okay. – Greg keep talking win or lose even if they lose Sunday keep representing your team don't jump ship don't give in to them because as good as the Raiders appear this year it's always a mirage they're like the Bills of the AFC West they're always in a collapse so take some
3: comfort in that Chris Hernandez a 24-year veteran of the Air Force and a bona fide MHH superstar jumping in on super chat appreciate you my friend thank you Chris he says bold predictions for this Sunday. And as always, click those little thumbs up. We do appreciate the thumbs up gang. It does help us on YouTube and Facebook uh, especially. Yeah. Zach, I want to am I'm gonna I'm gonna tap myself on the back here just a little bit because even though I got my pick wrong last week and I picked the Broncos <laughs> to beat the Falcons, the one thing in my bold predictions in the mile high round table was I predicted Jerry Judy was gonna have his pop game. And you know, he left two big plays on the field. He could have had an even bigger day, it could have been closer to nine receptions. 160 yards and a touchdown maybe two touchdowns if one of those two plays turns out the way it should have but nevertheless it's his first 100 yard receiving game he gets the touchdown and all that so I, I my, my instinct was right on Jerry Judy as far as a bold prediction for this Sunday what do you, you got anything off the cuff I'm still I'm still marinating on this a little bit I'm gonna I'm gonna give Chris an answer but I'm, I'm
4: yeah it's um I can go a few different ways on this I I haven't really put too much thought into whether the Broncos are going to win or lose Sunday um I do think they're not going to let uh, Derek Carr kill them through the air they're not going to let Darren Waller go off I think it's going to be a good defensive performance I can see Philip Lindsay popping off for 150 and two touchdowns chat against that Raiders D I can see Drew Locke having a 300 yard game I think my bold prediction is uh, I think the Broncos offense will explode this week and whether that's a win or a shootout loss. I think we'll see Locke really
3: establish himself with a no-doubt performance. It's funny you say that, dude, and we did not pre-coordinate this because my instinct, what it was drawing me toward, my gut, was to say that this was going to be the pop game for Locke where he comes out and silences all the critics. And I don't mean with just another prolific fourth quarter, but he plays well, puts up some volume throughout the game. So I'm going to roll with that, and I'll include it in in the written version of the Mile High Roundtable, and we publish that tomorrow at milehighhuddle.com. you heard it first, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see how it shakes out, Zach.
4: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a good day for the Broncos' offense. Uh, their defense, though, whether they can contain Derek Carr on the Raiders' offense, which is weird to say, Chad, but they have some weapons. I just think for the offense for Denver, it's going to be a nice bounce back on Sunday.
3: Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, yeah, no fan for Hundo, for Kenneth. Right I can see that, for sure. Did we grab Kenneth's? Question. So I'm I, I'm still not quite understanding, John, what you're telling me. Okay, we did. Good. Here we go. So this is from Kenneth Booker, who pre-submitted a question. Now, now, Zach, I know this predates your time on the Broncos beat, and you did not grow up a Broncos fan. For those of you who don't know the entire back history of, of Zach and the Broncos, that's not how it shook out. But maybe you have a creative answer for, for this as someone coming out at it from a different angle. But Kenneth Booker's question, he's a stud. We love him. He's a superstar. He says, if they made a movie about Super Bowl 32, of course that was Elway's first win, right against Brett Favre and the Packers. What actors would you cast? So, if I'm if I'm going to cast that, Zach, right? I'm going to find an actor for Elway, I'm going to find an actor for Terrell Davis, mm-hmm. I'm going to find an actor for Steve atwater probably. I'm trying to think. I'm I'm missing someone. Um Rod Smith maybe, but as someone coming at this maybe from a different angle? Do you have an answer? Do you have any actors that jump out that who, who would you cast for Elway? Let me put it. Let, let me start with that. This is not an insult.
4: I'm talking about the past version of this guy, not the not the current version, but Gary Busey. I, I think it's it's a really it's a really close similarity. Chad, he was a great actor in his time. He's not he's crazy now on Lobotomy Island, but you know he, he I think he can fit that part pretty well. <laughs>
3: Definitely the uh the grill, right? The, yeah. the teeth <laughs> I the didn't want to say that. when he's when he smiles. Yeah. I don't know, man. That's a tough question. Um I would uh I can't remember the dude's name, and now I I mentioned it to John, but did you guys ever see the show on Netflix called Narcos? There were two Jamie Foxx for Sharp. Yeah, Shannon That's Sharp's good. another guy that would definitely have to get cast. Good point. That's good. I like Paul that. Thing. But do you remember the? Did anyone ever watch the show on Netflix, Narcos? In the first season, it had Pedro Pascal as the the one FBI agent or what? Not FBI, ATF agent. And then the other dude, the blonde dude. I don't know that guy's name, the actor. Hmm. He was also in like a Predator alien movie. I don't know this dude's name, but he's a guy that I would maybe consider casting as John Elway because if you're going to cast the role, you can't do one of these end around zach where it's a six foot three athlete and you and you cast five foot six tom cruise you know to, to play <laughs> jumping the on
4: couches yeah uh for terrell davis though i'm thinking um adrese elba i don't there know how go. many people know him i think that's a pretty Love close comparison great actor and i think he'd fit the td role uh really well
3: good question not- that's fun his uh his role in the wire the Wire, oh, am. stringer stringer bell baby um John, for what it's worth, he's thrown out Lawrence Fishburne for Neil Smith. All right, so you know we he, he put some thought into this for you, Kenneth, and and uh, I don't know, man. I'm trying to think who else. Not a whole lot of like huge athlete guys. I'm trying to think back to actors. I mean, like uh, Allstate commercial guy for <laughs> Alfred. So he's talking about um, Pedro <laughs> Serrano, right? Um, bats bats are sick. Mojo the guy that plays Machete is Atwater. I don't know yeah. about that, dude. I don't know about that one. But anyway, very fun, creative question. Thanks, and you know we love you, appreciate you, Kenneth. That is All really right. fun. I'm still. Thinking we got about to. Uh, we got to moving on to another question here from Kenneth via super <clears throat> super chat. He says, "Appreciate you, my friend." He says, "Should we draft Leatherwood or certain? No certain. I think that. it's certain, right?" Mm-hmm. Um. I would go with Sertan, but as you guys know, Zach and I are not the uh, draft Nick analysts of MHH, so I don't really start diving deep into the draft until I'll be honest with you, till about January. I, I you know I keep an eye on it, but it's not. We are so busy it covering the team and the content and the storylines and the news every day. We just don't have time. That's why we have guys that do that for us, right at MHH, and that's Eric Trickle. He's the lead draft guy. Nick Kendall, Carl Dummer. That's their wheelhouse, but what's your answer, Zach? Yeah, I haven't even started to think about the draft just yet for next year,
4: but if it's a tackle versus a cornerback, I'm always taking the offensive lineman. I'm always taking the tackle, and like I said going into the offseason, regardless of Locke, the way he plays, offensive line and tackle in specific has to be the number one target. Sertan is going to be a great NFL player, but
3: when it, in terms of value, you go for the lineman any day of the week. Indeed. All right. Uh, Brian Ware jumping in. Appreciate you, Brian, and... Thank you, Brian. uh, A name that we're not familiar with on super chat. So thank you. He says, what are the chances that Peyton Manning becomes the offensive coordinator for the Broncos? Zero. Doesn't seem like he's done. Uh, It doesn't seem like he's done yet since he's always around the team. Guys, Peyton Manning, if he does enter the NFL, it's not going to be again, it's not going to be as a coach. That's such a grind. It's not that I couldn't see him doing it, you know, from a, from a, philosophical perspective, but it's such a grind. Coaches eat, sleep, live. It's football 24-7. And look, he did that for 25 years of his life. If he were to do something football-oriented, Zach, it would be front officer ownership, definitely not coaching.
4: Uh, it's beneath him and I hate to say that but uh, being a coordinator is such it's not even a high-end job in the NFL in the hierarchy why would Peyton Manning do that if anything if he's going to come back to the NFL uh, actively full-time it's going to be as an owner or a president of a team not as a coordinator not as a head coach so
3: any Broncos fans still holding on hope for that you should just kind of kiss that dream goodbye and Brian we do appreciate the question and you know, it's it's common t- in terms of Peyton Manning remains on fans' minds for obvious reasons, but especially because, as you point out there, he's around the team still quite a lot, and he maintains his primary residence still in Denver. So we, we do understand why that might be on your mind, but rule it out. It's just – it ain't going to happen, my friend. It, it really isn't. Uh, let's grab here real quick J.R. Caprone on uh, Facebook. He says, with all the injuries and the coaching situation, do you honestly see us coming out of Vegas with a win? If not, what do you think ha- uh, needs to happen after, Zach? I don't know how much thought you've put into your prediction for Week Ten at the Raiders. This is a good as good a time of any as any if you want to debut your pick. But do you see the Broncos beating the Raiders this week? I see the Broncos. I'm going to
4: save you guys. Uh, I'm going to save you guys the answer right now. Keep you guys in suspense for the article tomorrow. I see the Broncos putting up a good fight. I'm not as confident as I was uh, for the Falcons game last week. I thought that would be mostly in the bag for Locke and the Broncos offense. I- I'm not so much worried about him, as always, Chad. It's always about the Broncos coaching. If Pat Shermer can take his own advice and be aggressive and coach the Locke's strengths, they can beat the Raiders. So I'm not going to say win or loss yet. I will say it's a close game, and I will say this has the true potential for, like you said, the Locke
3: first quarter to fourth quarter pop game for the young quarterback. Let me, <clears throat> let me answer it this way, Jr. or Junior. I don't know how how you're rolling with your your handle there. But let me tell you the reasons why the Broncos could win this game. So if they win this game, here's why they'll win. Drew Locke and the offense explode. All right. They they get down to business and they do what they have within their potential to do, and that's produce points, yards, get it done. If they lose this game, it's going to be because they couldn't stop the run. The Raiders out-physical them. And that's a very distinct possibility this week, gang. And I don't say that to depress you because – any given Sunday, right? And stranger things have happened. And as it stands, drew Locke one and zero going against Derek Carr and the Raiders. But nevertheless, you're without Shelby Harris again this week. He's in the protocol as he tested positive for the virus. You don't have Mike Purcell. You don't have Jarrell Casey. So it would take another Herculean effort uh, from Draymond Jones, from DeMarcus Walker, from Deshaun Williams, Sylvester and all those guys. And even though I and think the inside they, linebackers, yes. And the, and the off ball dudes, I agree with that, but, this is a different animal than the Falcons. Todd Gurley's on yeah. his last legs. That Falcons offensive line is nowhere near the physical juggernaut unit that the Raiders have when they're on. They're on, and they're physical, and they move. I mean, they get push off the line of scrimmage, and I'm just not certain, Zach, the Broncos have the, the horses up front to, to yeah. withstand that. But, again, it's Bill Collar's unit, and they proved a lot last week, so it's just a matter of doing it again this week. We'll see. It's
4: a really good point you made, and it's true. This Josh Jacobs ground game, and it's not just him. They're dominant. The offensive line is just so made to, to win in the trenches or such an imposing offensive line, even without Trent Brown. But it's not just Jacobs. And I, it's, it's weird to say this, but Devontae Booker, the former Broncos running back is averaging, I think, 6.8 yards per carry for the Raiders this season. He's going to be in a revenge game against Denver. He's going to be fired up to do well. Uh, they have a great fullback and end goal. They have great weapons on the outside and rugs. Uh, they have Waller. They have Brian Edwards. This is not going to be an easy game for the Denver defense. But like Chad said, not having Shelby Harris, not having Purcell, you're already at a disadvantage. Then you have inside linebackers like Johnson and Jewel. They have to play the game of their lives or else they're going to get just blown
3: off the ball for four quarters. Let's just take a quick look here at some offense to offense comparisons and starting with just the general, the turnover margin, both teams are struggling in this department. The Broncos are worse. They're minus seven. That means they've turned the ball over seven times more than they've taken it away. And the, the Raiders haven't been much better. Only um, three less times have they done that, but they're minus four time of possession because of that ground game. As you guys can see there, the Raiders are a top 10 offense and holding on to the ball and then we get to the offense here, Zach. And outside of rushing, as you can see, they're a top ten rushing offense, 131 yards per game. Um, Derek Carr is Derek Carr. He rarely turns the ball over. Wow, two picks. He, just, he doesn't take a lot of chances, and sometimes you know that's to to the to the offense's detriment because you want him to take more chances downfield if you're a Raiders guy. Sometimes it's to their uh, benefit, and I think up to this point he's been able to walk that razor's edge quite well, and. Giveaways, they've only given the ball away nine times comparatively to the Broncos, as you can see here. Bottom, uh, only two teams worse than Denver in giveaways 16 times. They've given the ball away. And then uh, third down, they're right there, man. This is a tough team to stop on third down. And the reason why, Zach, comes right back up here, rushing. Right, They keep third down manageable. So for the Broncos, what we know about Derek Carr, this is a, an opponent that is very familiar to this team. If you can stop the run, and it's a tall task with the personnel you have this week, but if you can stop the run and give Derek Carr some third and longs, take away Darren Waller, and you've got the you know you, you you've won the lion's share of that battle. You're, you're you're a good chance of getting off the field on third down. But just look conversely, and then I want to serve this back over to you, Zach. Net yards per game, Broncos twenty six yards per play, twenty six points per game, twenty seventh rushing, middle of the pack uh last week did not help them much in that department by the way passing bottom third uh giveaways we already gone over that third down now they've started to show some improvements in this area but as you can see you know the last two weeks what they've improved on in third down because their preceding six games were so bad they're still ranked 29th and then red zone another area that they have improved significantly in the last two games but they're still bottom third so Zach, that's a head to head look here at these two different offenses. And
4: here's what the Raiders offense is. It's ground and pound. They're very efficient. They don't turn it over. They set up, like you mentioned, Chad, third and shorts. So they can, they move the chains. They dominate time of possession and they score touchdowns for the most part. So, like, like Chad mentioned, if you stop the ground game, you stop Josh Jacobs, which is an easier said than done completely, you can take advantage of the weapons they have on the outside. You have to shadow Darren Waller. You got to keep an eye on Henry Ruggs. But you got to get to Derek Carr. you got to make this game uncomfortable for the Raiders and hit them in the mouth. Knock them off their own game. Make them be a finesse team, not a power team. The Denver defense can do that, Chad. If they can slow down Mahomes, they can slow down Derek Carr. But will they do that? That's
3: always the question. But it's also that same reason why the Raiders have been successful on third down is the exact same reason why the Broncos have been so piss poor. I mean, look at last week as a perfect case in point. There was one play in the first half. It's first and ten. Philip Lindsay gets tackled for a five yard loss. Now you're at second fifteen. The odds of you moving the chains on that possession by the time you get to third down, they're slim to none. All right, it's just very low probability, very low percentage. So that was something that Pat Shermer talked about today in terms of what's the emphasis. How do you start fixing some of these issues? And he was not wrong. Now you could say it's, it's convenient or it's expedient for him to say this, but it's true nonetheless, Zach. And that is the Denver Broncos can solve so many of their offensive issues if they can just simply do better on first and second down. Yes. One thing that really surprised me is that both Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer, when asked about it this week, said that the interior talking about Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushionberry, and then whoever's at right guard, whether that's Graham Glasgow or uh, Austin Schlopman they've get they're giving them passing marks and I'm telling you right now gang we've been trying to tell you this now for a month that interior has been extremely disappointing they've been bad downright atrocious at times and they're the reason if we're being frank why the Broncos ground game has struggled to get traction on first down so if they can somehow dig deep and, and turn that around sooner than later you can start seeing because and this is another thing Zach Schirmer talked about They've been really good, the Broncos. If you break down third down into different um, distances, so third and short, third and intermediate, third and long. The Broncos in third and short and third and intermediate have been very good this year. It's the third and longs, surprise, surprise, where they've struggled.
4: Yeah, they can't put themselves in those situations. And fortunately, Chad, uh, the Raiders are easier to be had on the ground than through the air. I'd rather take my chances running it down their throat than having locked back there against – uh, the right tackle that they have, the right guard they have, the line they have. But it's an indictment. Let me just say one more point. It's an indictment on Pat Shermer. You scroll back up, Chad. There's no green. There's there's literally how many green categories do the Broncos have? One? No, none. none. Zero green. They are more red than even black. So that's an indictment. Again, I mentioned this earlier. He wants to talk about Drew Locke and, and placing the blame on him and putting the buck on him. He needs to look in the mirror. There's a reason why
3: they're that bad. And it starts, as always, with the coaches defensively let's take a quick gander here in comparison the Raiders gang surprise surprise suck on defense all right they do have a few horses you know they're uh uh, Max Crosby as an edge guy is um, always a threat and he had a he had a couple of really good games last year against the Broncos but let's just take a quick look the Broncos defensively they're middle of the pack in terms of net yards top 10 though in yards per play that means they're a stingy defense okay points per game they're low right they're giving up 27 and a lot of that has to do with the the turnover differential in terms of you know the, the broncos giving their opponent additional possessions in short fields that ain't on the defense right the defense is a bend don't break type of defense but when they're giving the 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 opponent that many short fields and and turnovers and additional uh possessions it just doesn't come out well in the wash even if you're the 85 bears all right teams are gonna get field goals all right, points per game. Uh, you can see their net uh, rushing. Broncos are kind of middle of the road, both as a passing and a rushing defense. Interceptions. You want to see these takeaways improve, Zach. And yeah, I think if the offense could really start pulling its head out and getting out to some, it doesn't have to be multi-score leads like the Falcons did last week for their their defense. But if you can get out to a even a one-score lead in the first half, it changes the complexion and the priorities. Defensively for Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed and all those guys, and it takes the pressure off and it allows them to act a little bit more freely and thus perhaps force more interceptions and force more takeaways. But here's the crowning achievement, gang. Down here, these last three statistics for Vic Fangio: no Von Miller, no Gerald Casey, uh, no AJ Bouye for most of the season. Go on down the line, right? Most of the most the, the most grievous injuries this year, the majority of them have been on the defensive side, and yet. They're top ten in sacks. They're ranked eighth with 22. Third down percentage. They're number five. That's great. Red zone, they're second. So, Zach, defensively, this this is good. But look for the for the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, how much it's, red? <laughs> it's like look at the look at the Broncos' um, weakness. It's offense, and then look at the Raiders' weakness. It's defense. That portends well for this being Drew Locke's pop game, Zach. It looks like my high school, you know, one of my exams, all the red marks on it, Chad.
4: But here's, what, here's what's going to come down to the game. If you scroll up to the Raiders, um, third down percentage on offense versus the Broncos defense, the Broncos are fifth and I believe the Raiders are, uh, second. second. So that, that is, that's going to come down to the key of the game there. Whichever unit, the Broncos defense or the Raiders offense can get on the field or get off the field, whoever does better on third down, it's going to be a ground and pound, maybe a hard-fought, hard-hitting, low-scoring game. But if there's any opponent left on the schedule for Drew Locke to go off against, look at all that red. They don't do anything overly well, the Raiders' defense. They don't get sacks, they don't get interceptions, they don't force fumbles. Look at all that red. If Pat Shermer can't make hay
3: against this defense, fire him on the spot. All right, real quick, and then we're going to get right back to the stream. I just want to draw your attention to special teams. Now, the Raiders have not been a good special teams um, unit, and that's not really why I want to draw your attention to this. The reason why is we were talking about Tom McMahon earlier. We, our flow got interrupted with our technical difficulties, but outside of their punt return and their field goal percentage, thanks to Brandon McManus, look wow. at this. It's a, it's a horrendous oh, special teams unit. And even Sam Martin – you know, I said this yesterday. Hey, at least he's brought competency back to the punting. But this is what competency does for you. It saves you from disaster, from Colby Wadman, right? Of the last two years, but middle of the road, fifteenth in terms of gross punting average. So anyway, that you can see all the different areas the Broncos need to improve. But the takeaway from our comparison here, Zach, has to be this is Drew Locke's opportunity, man. And as Muhammad jumps in here, one of our superstars. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, Muhammad. Zach is on fire today. I love it. Hashtag Dragon. Uh one more little just
4: uh huff and puff right now. The Broncos field goal percentage was tied for seventh, it says. That uh, real quick, it was it was top ten.
3: Uh field goal percentage, yes. They are um seventh. Yeah, my point in saying this, that's the best thing
4: they do on special teams. You don't allow McManus to kick a field goal. That's on McMahon and that's on Fangier. That is that is ridiculous, Chad, honestly.
3: Well said. And one last thing I want to bring up is we didn't show it and we'll grab Christie's very generous super here, but both the Raiders and the Broncos are among the league's best in terms of being disciplined penalty wise. So it's going to be interesting to see which Mm -hmm. one of those teams cracks, right? The queen jumping off the top rope, making her entrance in the grandest way possible. We love you. We appreciate you up there on the MHH Mount Rushmore. She says, missed you all last night. Thanks for all your work guys. F the Raiders. Didn't exactly. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Right. And as a California resident,
4: Christy, uh, we're going to give you something. I hope the Broncos can give you something to brag about on Sunday. But regardless, it should
3: be a good game. And uh, thank you so, so much for your generosity, as always. All right. We are approaching the one-hour mark, so we got to kind of get through our patient superstars who have been hanging in there. It's the mailbag. Let's get to them. Naj Altaf. Love you, buddy. Really appreciate you. Come on quick, strong the last quick, couple months. Yeah, quickly becoming... A superstar. He says, brothers, I thought Locke was very impressive in his press conference after the game. He constantly shoulders the blame while praising his teammates. I agree with you. This week he is going to be special. Yeah, you that's one good thing. Is like you look at some of the highly touted quarterbacks, and even though Locke wasn't a first-round pick, he's got a lot of the um expectations of the of a first-round pick. I'll just put it that way. And when things start deteriorating for these guys, sometimes, because they're used to being the man, right? They're used to, in
5: college. Un- Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair.
3: Unquestioned, you know, they are just God-tier guys. And then the things start going poorly, and they get the questions from the media they don't like, and the cracks start coming out in the facade, right? They start being short-tempered or they start pointing the finger in. And Locke, to his credit, as Naj points out here, he's fallen on the sword every time and credited his teammates up to this point. And so that speaks to the intangibles, and it's another reason why the Broncos remain confident in Locke.
4: Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't you know override the mistakes he makes on the field. But notice what he's not doing, what he hasn't done, and that's blame the coaching or the play calling. Whereas his coach kind of put the emphasis on him. So I like that Locke's a leader through and through, and he takes these losses to heart. That's why Chad and I both feel Sunday could
3: be a special game for him. Based Gase jumping in, good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you. Thank you. He says long term, if Locke turns out to be a middle of the road QB like Carr or Alex Smith. Will that be enough to contend with Kansas City for the next mm. decade? No, I mean, contend, define content. Like really compete for the crown? No. I mean, because look, Derek Carr, this is his second good, really good year. I know he's got a few Pro Bowls under his belt back when the when the Raiders were dog crap and they were kind of like everyone else has heard or in the playoffs. Hey man, do you want to be in the Pro Bowl? He's like, sure, I'll be in the Pro Bowl. So it's on his resume. This is only the second year in Derek Carr's career up to this point that he's really been plus five hundred at this point in the season. To be honest with you, like really in the mix in the second half for the postseason, and so it just kind of tells you where being that middle of the road guy gets you. Now Alex Smith, because that team was so talented around him in Kansas City and in and in San Francisco, to be frank with you as well, and because the coaching, especially in KC, Zach was so top notch, the Chiefs with an Alex Smith could contend. They could be that guy. Couldn't quite get over the hump, but they could at least contend. But what's your answer for base case?
4: I agree with your premise, but here's where I'm going to be a little contrarian in an optimistic way. With this defense they have now, if they can hold Mahomes in check like they did a couple weeks ago, what missing in that game the difference was the offense and if they had a middle of the road quarterback we've been saying this for 3 years now if the broncos had just be consistent quarterbacking under center just average or good not even great not a superstar not an all pro not even mahomes if they have that compi- combined with good coaching and their defense they can win games i think they can contend in the afc for a wild card spot division with mahomes i don't know but chad with this defense if you have just a little better offense you can go toe to
3: toe with Kansas City, and Drew Lock has it in him, guys. He really does. Like you've seen in the last two fourth quarters, he's produced six touchdowns, one rushing, and five passing. He's he can put up the kind of numbers that have caused such a large swath of Broncos country to have QB envy with the likes of the Mahomeses and the Herberts. Yeah. So it's there. They just got to put it all together. Mike Kane jumping in with a question to say. Guys, why does PFF and the national media go out of their way to dog on Drew Lock? I understand not being sold yet, but dang, Zach, I boil it down to two things. One, Drew Lock acts like the cock of the walk. He acts like a first round guy, wrapping right. on the sideline, dancing pregame, and that combined with the confirmation bias because everyone the 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 narrative on Drew Lock coming out of Missouri last year was, hey, you know. he's talented guy but inconsistent he's never going to be the man in the nfl there's a reason why he fell to the second round and so everything spins around trying to confirm that with their coverage all right and so especially in the national perspective they want to portray it in a way that confirms that bias and so they stick to their guns they double down they do their thing and for a guy like drew Locke, it's unfortunate but he has to actually go above and beyond like he has to be uh, justin herbert only stack wins on top of the production in order to turn that ship. And it's and he's still a long way from being able to do that in terms of the national.
4: First of all, I've always kind of lived by this motto, especially in this job, Chad. Nobody hates losers. You know, if, if you're a loser, nobody hates you. That's why everyone loves PFF. And it's such an arbitrary guideline. It's such an arbitrary grade. The national media, though, to answer the question directly, they're stupid. They're lazy. They put no thought or analysis into their their uh, their opinions of Drew Locke. They look at a box store like they saw against the Patriots. Oh, he only had this many yards, no touchdowns. He should have had a bigger game. If you watch the game, if you watch the progression, it's a lazy, clickbaity, you know, gotcha society in all realms, political, sports, everything. And that's what the national media does with the Broncos – partly because of what Chad said and partly because the Broncos haven't been relevant since 2015. When you're not relevant, you're easy to hate on. But that's why we have the shirt. That's why we have the hashtag. Let them hate. It's what they do best.
3: Well said. Well said, my friend. Um, Here's one from Facebook. We haven't taken too many tonight from Facebook. Jeff Hines says, Do you think Gordon was worth the money or is he a bust? I don't know about the bust aspect of it, I guess, to find that, but he hasn't justified that contract in our opinion yet. I, I mean, I, I would venture to
4: say he's kind of bust potential. What has he done for this offense? He made one nice catch on the third down. He's fumbled. He really he hasn't been this game breaker. Phillip Lindsay outshines him on every carry. He's way, way, way overpaid. But I, I would venture to say he's closer to bust, Chad, than not bust for the Broncos.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 could he really ever live up to that contract? I mean, what would it take? 1500 yard rusher, 15 touchdowns, like he would need to be Clinton Portis to justify that. How about not a prime or a, yeah. a few hundred yard games? I mean, just do something. Liam J wants to know if you had to choose one person to fire from the Broncos coaching staff, who would it be? <laughs> Oh Jack, man. That gets it's taboo when you're in media, it's taboo to call for anyone's head, but since you're asking, we will answer that hypothetically. Probably probably McMahon right now, of course, is is the leader in yeah. that clubhouse, but Shermer's got a long road left to hoe as well.
4: Yeah, that's hundred percent. I'm firing McMahon right now. And after the season, I'm saying, hey Pat Shermer,
3: see ya. Catch you on the flip flop. We'll see. It's gonna be really interesting to see how this team coalesces down the stretch. All right, John, we are at one oh two. Let's see what else we've got here. Um Dank Buds and Black Metals. Good to see you, my friend. Jumping in time to time, and when he's in the stream, he shows some love on Super Chat, supporting the cause and supporting the brand. Appreciate you. He says, don't get too down on lock with the lack of real starts. That frozen rope to Judy on the curl for the touchdown hit his chest so hard, I heard it in FOCO, man. Hashtag Rocket Sash later. Yeah, dude. Um this was something Shermer talked about early on in the conversation, that one long clip I read to you guys. Earlier in that same presser today, he talked about the dime he dropped to Tim Patrick on the nine route. Uh, was it – I can't remember now. Was it the Falcons game? Yeah, it was the Falcons game. That was very similar, Zach, to that, that nine yep. that he dropped to him in Houston. The dude can make some phenomenal throws. And, again, it just comes down to – Trusting his protection, doing better on first down as a team. All right. As a team, that's something they can all do to help Drew. Doing better on first and second down, trusting your protection. Because when he sticks to his, uh, when he does trust his protection, stays in the pocket and minds his fundamentals, it's dime, 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 big play, big play, conversion, conversion. So we'll see. I mean, it just takes time. And as, as Dank Bud says here, he needs more time on task, he needs more starts.
4: Yeah, and, and, and Dave Buds, I mean, you're perpetuating what, uh, a common sense philosophy I wish most of Broncos country would have on Drew Locke. And I, I know it takes more than a big arm, a strong arm, but that's gonna bail him out of some situations. And you saw it in the, in the, um the, Week one, I was trying to think of the word, the premier, the premier game of this season. You saw it in that touchdown to Noah Fan. That was a frozen rope and put it in a spot where only uh Noah Fan can get it. He has to be better with his accuracy,
3: technique, footwork, this and that, but his arm strength is indisputably elite. Foco, Fort Collins. Yeah, I think that's I think you're right, John. John was speculating when he says I heard it in Foco, the, the ball hitting Judy's chest, probably Fort Collins. Uh Kenneth jumping in. Good to see you again, my friend. Thank you. We appreciate it. My name, uh, my nightmare, a guy named Booker kills it for the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's difficult. But here's what I'll say, you know, I am happy. I it sucks that it's the Raiders, but it's cool to see Devontae, yeah, you know, have some modest success in the NFL, you know, but sucks it's the Raiders. Right. I'm, I'm happy for a
4: lot of former Broncos, like Isaiah McKenzie and Buffalo, Chad, the guys that weren't used right in Denver getting their shots now and being used correctly. I don't think he's going to be a game changer Sunday, but he's going to definitely be fired up for this revenge game matchup.
3: Richie, Richie. <laughs> Richie, Richie. If the interior is going so poorly, then why not scheme plays where we zone block more and set the edge? Coach, Well, that's part of the thing, Richie, is these inside-outside zones runs, these are zones. These are zone blocks uh, – plays and they're not executing now for zone blocking to work. It's a, it's the perfect combination of the blockers doing their job, right. And, and getting to the, to the guys that they need to within their zones and going lateral instead of forward in the power scheme and, and the flip side being the backs having the vision to keep an eye on that backside cut, uh, cutback lane. And they just haven't been able, I think on first down Zach, Pat Shermer loves inside and outside zone. But on first down, you need to start throwing in some freaking power runs, dude, like blow dudes off the block. And then on second down, when it's second and six and it's, you know, second and three or whatever, then you work in some of these inside outside zones where you can afford to, if it doesn't go your way, get stopped for a no gain or get stopped for one yard and still have a manageable third down.
4: I'm just, you know, Chad, I'm just hoping for a screen, uh, a jet sweep, something creative on first down that's not just a run inside or a long pass attempt down the field. But that's the thing with Pat Shermer. He doesn't really fit the players, uh, utilize their talents to the best of their abilities. He's running Phillip Lindsay inside still, not getting him outside, not getting the ball in K.J. Hamler's hands or Jerry Judy's hands. It just it goes down to coaching for me again. That's
3: It's really all it is. Bobby, we love you. We miss you. It's so great when you're in the stream. And, uh, you know, talk about being a superstar. She can't be in every single stream, but when she's here, she's showing the love and support, not just to Zach and I and to John, but to you guys as well in Broncos country. Yeah. She has <clears throat> deep, deep affection for Broncos country. So, Pobby, shout out to you. Hope everything's going yes. well in your neck of the woods. Thank you, Bobby. Love you. Appreciate you. And uh, good to see you. All right, Richie, again, we've been drafting small offensive linemen for years. Change? I'm not sure that's true, dog. I mean, outside of Garrett Bowles, let me think about this. Dalton Reisner, maybe smallish for guard. All right, there's two. Not cushionberry. Cushionberry's north of 300, easy. I'm trying to think some of the other guys. But if you're running zone, that's what you want. If you're running zone blocking, you want dancing bears. You want the ballerinas. I mean, think back to the Mike Shanahan um, offensive lines back in the day. Now, granted, different era. And, you know, you had Alex Gibbs on staff running that offensive line in the zone blocking. But, I mean, Ben Hamilton, left guard, or was he right guard? Anyway, guard in the second era of Shanahan, so like the early 2000s, the Jake Plummer era. He was like 260-pound guard, but he was really good. He's not not pro bowler, but he was a guy that could, uh, you know, give you 16 games week in and week out, or year in and year out, and he produced. I mean, even Tommy Nalen was not a huge guy. Right. If you're going to run West Coast zone blocking, which that's what Skangs wanted. First of all, that's what Koob's ran. That's what Skangs wanted. <clears throat> Excuse me. Even Bill Musgrave, who was building off the bones of what Coob had. And then Skangs, same thing. And then now, of course, similar with, with Pat Shermer. That's what you got to do. But unfortunately, up to this point, Zach, it just hasn't worked out well. And I think there are slight tweaks that they can make schematically. Get rid of the outside, in, inside-outside zones on first down. That'll do a a lot in terms of bridging the gap.
4: How about drafting a tackle? One tackle in the draft class, not waiting until the mid-rounds to get a guard. I mean, they have to supplement the position, whether that's a zone guy or a power guy, a big guy, a small guy. Just draft some alignment and stock the cupboard. Stop letting it go so bare every single year.
3: Shout out to Muhammad jumping in again. He's got the dragon uh, profile (laughs) pick. Love you, buddy. Love it. Thank you, Muhammad. Thank you. All right, guys. We do have to, oh, Black Knight. Whoops. Sorry, John. Sometimes we're we're sharing our brain too closely. Black Knight, 232, jumping in uh, at the uh, 11th As We're about Thank to you. dip on out of here. Appreciate the support, my friend. He says, I hope Locke does well, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm just going to expect a fourth quarter magic trick out <laughs> of the darts and we win. I mean, that's the thing at this point, what what we've learned the last quarter of the season is you just don't know what you're going to get from this Broncos team or from Drew Lock on a week-in and week-out basis. And that's one of the frustrating aspects of, you know, it's like Zach said, sometimes Zach can be <clears throat> so blunt that it, that it rubs Broncos fans wrong, if, depending on their mood, but it doesn't make it any less true. Drew Lock, as much as Zach and I still support him and believe that he's, he's got the potential there to turn this around, he hasn't taken the steps forward yet in year two that everyone expected him to, including us, under Pat Shermer, who, I'll remind everybody, two-time head coach, failed, yes, but also the 2017 AP Assistant Coach of the Year, one of the most coveted awards handed out in coaching on an annual basis went because it goes only to the assistants. We expected that step forward. We haven't seen it, and that's why this you don't know what you're going to get week in and week out like Black Knight's pointing to here. You can't hold your breath, but you can still remain hopeful, guys. Would
4: he have won that award, though, if not for the Miracle Vikings play? That's what I'm wondering. I mean, he had a good year with Case Keenum, but is that the reason why he won? Listen, though, to answer the question, Chad, I I mean, you can't hold your breath with a quarterback like Locke. He's very erratic, but also with the guy in charge of him, his handlers, Shula and Shermer, until we see, and this is my opinion, until we see Locke with a different coordinator, I know he's on the second one now, I I just can't get my hopes up too much. I will say, though, of any matchup left on the schedule, this is the game where Locke could pop off, like Chad said, from from the opening whistle until the final gun. It could be a big game for Locke
3: on Sunday. All right, guys, last super chat question, and then we got a dip from Brian Ware again. Thanks, Brian. By the way, make sure you reach out and connect with Zach and I on social media, on Twitter, so that we can shout you out after this podcast. But he says, what are you are your guys' thoughts on John Elway? I think he's done a good job building this team. Should he be fired? Should he be fired? I don't think he should be fired. No. I think at this stage you've you've gone 10 years with John Elway as the front office guy. He brought you home a world championship. He's right. got one year left on his docket and unfinished business with Vic and with Locke. Let him have that last year and decide after 2021. So no. I do think he's done a good job stocking the cupboard. The Broncos look. If if I have one bone to pick with John Elway post Super Bowl Fifty, it's been his coaching hires, not his, Mm. and and just the struggles to find the right quarterback. Like even with with Brock Osweiler, why didn't you just pay him and try and build on that momentum you had coming out of Super Bowl Fifty? You don't know what how that could have turned out. Now, in all likelihood, you probably end up in the similar spot that you're in now, but. He's, he's made a few momentous decisions along the way personnel-wise that he probably wants back. But by and large, Zach, I think his coaching hires have been the most questionable aspect. But then again, you know, he thought he had his 10-year guy in Coup, and Coup right. steps down after two right. years after bringing home a world championship. So not everything has been fair, but that's life and that's that's the NFL. I think for this team right now, Elway's done about as good of, as you could expect him to do to stock the cupboards then the injury bug comes in and completely cuts the legs out from this team.
4: I thought Gary Kubiak was a great head coaching hire. I, he could have been the coach, Chad, for five more years at least, and he would have brought them more success than he brought them. Um, in terms of Elway and his status, when you win a title like Chad alluded to, it buys you so much time in the NFL, and he already had that that mythical lore to him being John Elway. Who has the grapefruits in the Broncos front office to fire John Elway, to fire a legend? Joe Ellis will never do it. So until there is an owner that's established, he is safe. In terms of building the roster, I agree his coaching hires are questionable. His quarterback selections are questionable. But this offseason, we were praising him, and for good reason. He did everything to build around a young quarterback as he should have. The only thing he did not do was get a a right tackle, but how could you foresee Juwan James opting out? How could you foresee a pandemic? How could you foresee the injuries? You can knock Elway all you want for little micro things, but in terms of 2020 on a macro level, I thought he did a really good job building the team.
3: With Shanahan, <clears throat> excuse me, David, he goes, can you imagine if we hired Shanahan? You talking Kyle or Mike? Because the Broncos came this close to hiring Mike at the end of the 2017, at the end of Vance Joseph's maiden season, Thank five 5-11. But, uh, yeah, we're always going to wonder what a shoulda coulda. But, gang, thanks so much for joining us here tonight and rolling with the punches in that first 10-minute segment where we have the technical difficulties. We love you. We appreciate each and every one of you. Mile High salute to our super chat superstars and our Facebook supporters. You guys are, are keeping us going and straight up funding the content here at MHH um, Central, especially on YouTube as, as it relates to the podcast and the video content. That's all you guys, right? You're you're bringing that to the table and allowing us to do this for you. So appreciate you guys. Thank you. Love you. Zach and I are done for this week, but we're going to be back in the saddle, of course, Sunday for the Broncos Raiders game will have the halftime live stream. You'll have to let us know on this. We have been kicking around, Zach and I, the idea of doing a live stream for the entire game of Broncos Raiders. If you want to see that happen where we do a watch along with you guys, uh, let us know, hit us up on social media. Tell us on, in, raise the your hand in the comments, right now. <laughs> raise it. Uh, if you want to see that, we're kicking it around. Let me tell you why we don't just automatically pull the trigger. Is we want to bring you a we have to do the gut reaction no matter what. All right. That's something we just gotta do. We are worried about, not so much worried, but one of our concerns is if we do a three and a half hour live stream for the entire game, by the time you get to the to the gut reaction, we're burnt, right? We're like, mm. we've been talking for three and a half hours. It ain't easy. So that's the one thing. If you want to see it happen, I think I it's got to be. A, it, it, the, yeah, hey, no surprise, but gang, you got It's got to be a groundswell. All right, tell us here, tell us on Twitter, tell us at milehuddle.com in the in the comment section. We'll let you know. All right, well, we'll, we'll for now, we got to keep you in suspense, but but uh, keep keep it as a possibility. And in the meantime, follow the podcast on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod, the main account at Mile Huddle, my partner Zach Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL myself, at Chad and Jensen, and then the producer, of course, John Cronenberg, at John K. M-H-H. Don't forget to check out the merch store when you get some time, huddleuppod.com. Uh, you want to take advantage of the 1000 bucks bonus risk-free week of sports betting at sportsbetting.com slash Huddle. And that's it, gang. Love you. Appreciate you. Don't forget to like this video. Share it out there if we're doing a good job. And, Zach, have a great weekend, bro. You too. I'll see you Sunday
4: for the halftime stream and guys check out the round table article tomorrow. We give our predictions and our scores. I'll leave you guys in suspense for what should be an interesting game on Sunday. See you then.
2: You've been listening to the huddle up podcast. Join Broncos country's deep divers at MileHighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.